0: So we start this new series called "Bless This Home," and the truth about this video is, we would all love to say that our home is the last home, right? Like, agree? Like, oh, everybody's happy and it's perfect. But honestly, throughout the week, we could actually say that we probably relate a little bit more to the others. That's a good place to probably be honest and say, "Yeah, Amen." Like, I relate to some of those other ones. And here's the thing: is in church, and especially, um, you know, as we as we come together and, and we talk and series and stuff a lot of times you know we get up here and it's all good of course it's not we're not doing anything wrong but you come to church every week and it's this you almost feel like you have to come and put on the mask or put on the show of yeah you know all the sermons are believe more go higher god's got greater everything's perfect you can live in the glory cloud and we can do all these things and that's true those are that's true but a lot of us on the way home right something's going to spill in the car and something's going to, and by the time we get home, all of that, bless this home, this perfect little thing, isn't really going to look like that. You know, the kid's half naked in the car, like, why are you taking your clothes off? I told you to you take your shoes off one more time. I'm just speaking about my life. (laughs) Jess, keep your clothes on in the car. Like, what are we, you know, (laughs) public, the front windows aren't tinted. What are you doing? (laughs) We're not newlyweds anymore. We don't, oh, wait, I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So here's the deal. Like, really, you know, we love to say, uh, you know, every day of our life is the last home, but we can relate to a lot of the other homes. And and, and honestly, most days it's easier to probably relate to some of the other. But here's the thing God knew that. And Jesus, even when he came and spoke and taught us, he taught about ways and things that he's like, look, I know you're going to identify with the other houses. I know you're going to have days that you're the other houses but you can do things and pray things and believe things that help move us closer to the home that we want to be into to the blessed home and, and the, the, the goal house that we're really going for. And um, so today, you know, the next, it's the start of five weeks that we're going to be talking about, what does it look like to call blessing on our home? What does it look like to live uh, you know, in a blessed home or a home that is blessed by God or that we call blessing on our house. And so we're going to set it up today and then the next few weeks we'll, we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper into it. So I want to jump right into it. Proverbs 24 verses 3 and 4. I uh, would love for you to take notes. Um, this sounds really funny. It's like a major announcement. Um, uh, it's just funny because we're a year and a half old church, but um, the church, we literally use a Walmart printer and uh, we're really excited because a year and a half in now, we've officially ordered an office printer. Somebody say amen. Like, <laughs> yes. And the reason I bring it up is because we're going to be able to start printing some like bulletins, some handouts, and some, some you know weekly stuff. And so on that's going to be a place that you can take notes because that's what it's all about, is uh, being able to take what God spoke to you and go back and look at it and study it and remember it. And so we just want to be a place that, that is in God's word and takes notes and, and, and keeps all this, because I believe God can remind you and, and encourage you in it even more than just here on Sunday. So Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So here's what I want you to get to see. First, it says, By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And so you can get wisdom, but it has to translate into understanding. It's one thing to like have an idea or have a knowledge of something, but it's another thing to understand how that functions and where we go and how we put that all in place. Um, my example that you hear me say all the time is that uh, we always say this, the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. We all know that, you know, we should exercise more, we should brush our teeth more, we should do all these things that we know to do, but the, and we should save more money, we should do all these things. The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. Um, and so that's kind of what the scripture here is saying too. It's one thing, uh, you know, to sort of have wisdom about how you want to run your house or how you want to, but it's another thing um, to get it established and get these things put in place. And then I love this here. It says, by knowledge, Uh, The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And here's the thing let's take our mind off. That doesn't mean nice couches and nice cars and our garages are full. Precious and pleasant riches are more than stuff. Amen? And so you can have a house that's filled or established with pleasant riches Uh, quality time, peace in the home, relationship with others, all those kind of things. If we understand how to build our house and how to structure um, who we are and how we are as people. And so it's important for us right away to, to say, okay, God, we want to pursue you. We want to be Christians. We want to pursue the way that you want us to build this house. Speak to me about that and make plans for that and then establish those things. And then of course, uh, the promise is that we have pre- precious and pleasant things. Um, God knew, I said, I shared this earlier and I'm just kind of laying the foundation. God knew that there would be days that it was not Pleasant and precious and full of richest moments. But he said that you can call things onto your home. Luke chapter 10, verse 5. It says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. It was an instruction that he gave the disciple. He knew that, hey, no matter what atmosphere you're walking into, or no matter what's going on, you can literally say in that moment, peace to this house. Like I, I'm calling peace onto this house no matter how far we're off. Uh, obviously in our lives, we have a two and a half year old and now a newborn. And I feel like we could probably walk around the house, every room we enter, Oh God, peace to this house. I didn't see that. I did not see that. She is not touching that, you know, like she got that out. Oh no. You know, like, and uh, so you could, I mean, and that's okay. I mean, it it may be for us, uh, all of us, you know, that we just have to walk around and get in the habit of like, instead of freaking out about this, I'm just going to, Hey, peace be into this house, peace be into this room. Peace be into that coloring book in crayons that I just found, you know, like, and and I'm being like funny and, but we got to start thinking that practical and maybe I'm way off, but um, I actually had this revelation. I'm getting to it later, but I want to say it now. Um, So Caroline, of course, our daughter is two and a half years old and she's awesome. She's a wonderful listener and all that stuff, but she's also two and a half. And so as a parent, we get really serious about the way that we want to raise our kids and that's good. And so she has the little paint set, and uh, you know you get the water, and then you dip on the little circles, and then you put it on the thing. The trouble with that is, you know, if she's not like wiping it off, then she's turning all the colors into black, and she's ruining the whole thing. And so, you know, as a parent, we're like, we're going to sit down with you, we're going to teach you how to use this paint. We're not going to make it messy. We're not going to paint other things because as a good parent. I'm going to like take this moment to teach you how to properly use paint and tools and things. So we go, over, okay, now, honey, <laughs> here's, your, here's your water, here's your paper towel, here's your paint, here's your paper. And she's like, and, and they, they get it, you know, they get it. And so she's like, yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do this one, and then I'll wipe in. And she, she'll remind me, it's got to stay clean, right? Not yucky, like, okay, yeah. So the minute, <laughs> the minute that you think, cool, she's got it, we're good, I'm going to go over here and do something else. I'm not kidding you, I'm just telling you my story. Uh, I turn around just a few minutes later and she's painting up and down the arms, <laughs> she's painting on the table, and every color is now brown. And here's the thing, I wanted to get really, I did, I got, a, I got upset, I didn't freak out, and uh, here's, the, here's the deal. And we, we love babies uh, cheering us on, somebody say amen. So, um, so here's the deal. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not mad, like I'm not mad, like oh, I'm mad at you kid. Uh, but I'm just, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm dad frustrated, whatever. And so totally in this moment, I go over to her. I'm like, oh, I got to teach her how to do this paint right because we're going to teach her that you don't mess up your paint. But like in my frustration, you're raising your voice. Caroline, I told you we don't do that paint and the thing. And this, But you know what I actually did in that moment? I taught her another lesson about frustration and how to raise your voice and how to, okay. Like how many? Oh, right. Okay. So that was that. Okay. And then uh, she loves being outside with me and we planted some new, you know, we had some patchy grass spots. And so we planted new seed and new dirt. So we got the hose and I'm watering it, whatever. And it's kind of cold out at night, obviously. And I'm watering at night. And, but we bought her a little princess watering can, which she loves to do with us. And that's awesome. However, (laughs) she has the patience of the two-year-old. And so I'm like watering. She'll come up behind me and stick it just on the end Which of course splashes me, splashes her, and uh, and so I've taken the time to slow down. I know this is like a long story, but I want you to get it. So I slow down, and I dial the water back, and I show her how to put it in the thing, and I fill it up right, and uh, I fill it up. Okay, that's how we do it. Now you dump it out. She comes back in and sticks it under again, and it sprays everywhere, and it gets her all soaking wet, and it's just like, and in the moment I get frustrated. Caroline, I told you, now. My concept is I'm going to be a good parent here, and I'm going to teach her how to fill that can just right, and I'm going to, but what I'm actually doing by outburst of frustration and yelling, I'm actually teaching her a whole nother lesson. And so I wanted you to know this, when we're talking about peace into the home, and God bless this home, sometimes the lesson can be bigger than the lesson. So in our lives, when we cast peace into the home, Yes, nobody wants to come home to the mess that a little one and the sandwich they stuffed in the seat crack and all that. None of that is good. None of that is good. And all of it should be fixed and corrected and taught. But if we're teaching them a bigger bigger lesson about how we get frustrated or lose self-control, all those kind of things, then have we really done it? Like really at the end of the day, what's more important? That they use paint right or that we react right? Amen? Because the boss, the employee, when they get older, isn't going to be like, Hey, you're, you're kind of a jerk and a hothead, but you do paint pretty well with that kid's paint. <laughs> I want you. <laughs> no, it's, it's the bigger life lessons. And so in our lives, we have to learn and take the house part even out of it. we got to learn to walk into a situation where we got sprayed with the hose and it's cold or whatever. And, hey, peace to this situation. I want blessing to be on this home. So peace to this. Yeah. Amen. And we can do that. God gave us, that's a promise. And so Luke 10, 5, it says, Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Another translation says, Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. First Samuel 25, 6. 1 Samuel 25, 6. It says, Say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Another translation says this, And thus you shall say, have long life, peace be to you and peace to your house and peace be to all that you have. It's a promise that we can speak life and we can bless uh, other homes and our homes and we can bless speak blessing and life into situations. It's a promise that we have of God. And so a lot of times when we think about you know, bless this home and we want to have this godly home. You think about, well, if I want to have a blessed home, if I want to have a godly home, I need to be at church every night of the week and I need to serve at this thing. And, and you just think about all these things that you need to do more or grow more. And those things are good. It's good for us obviously to, to grow. But it's important for us to learn how to exist in our homes and cast peace and speak life and bless. Amen. Matthew six thirty three, it says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things will be given to you as well. Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He spoke over his house. Hey, we're going to be people that serve the Lord. And so I thought about it like this. How do you know? Here's a problem that we have like with raising our families. Uh, How do we know if it's a blessed home? How do we know that we're raising it right? Because a lot of times when I would grow up, or a lot of people, you would hear this too, somebody would get in trouble or something would happen or this would thing, and your parents would say to this, that's not what we do in this house, right? <laughs> that's not what we do. That's not who we are. That's not what we do, right? Uh, but the problem is that I see in culture is a lot of times in Christian or in church culture, a kid doesn't understand that because we're one way on Sunday and we're another way during the week. We're one way on Sunday, we're another way on social media. the week. So when we say, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But when we keep flip-flopping, depending on the crowd that we're with, a kid's not going to understand when you say, that's not who we are, because we haven't lived it. So it's important for us, Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and then all the other things, the blessings of our home, will follow. Amen? Matthew 5.6, we, we talked about it in... Uh, in our giving portion, Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. How do you fill the kid's room with blessing? You hunger and you thirst for righteousness in their lives. How do you fill uh, your, your family, your homes, your times, everything in your life needs to seek after righteousness the things you watch on TV, the things that are on your internet, the things, the, the music that goes through your, your, all of those things need to seek first righteousness. Are you saying we should only watch Christian movies and watch, listen to Christian? That's not what I'm saying at all. Don't get it all backwards. You know what is a righteous standard for your family. Amen. And uh, And then, so fill your house with righteousness. Fill your house with the things of righteousness. And then you'll see those blessings, amen? So our dinner tables, our computers, our kids' room, all of those things need to be filled um, with that. What does it look like to live a blessed life? And and here's where I believe the breakdown comes, and we'll actually kind of wrap up here in a minute. This is my driving point sort of in our introduction of the series. Here's what I want you to catch. We all, we pass the survey around, we would all say, yeah, I want a blessed home. Sign me up. I want a blessed home. I want a blessed home. Cool. We would all say that. Yeah, we want to strive for that. But the problem is. Unless you set a goal, unless you set a target, unless you identify what that actually looks like, how do you know if you're operating in it? Because here's the thing. Nobody ever, you know, the, the drug addict said, like, you know, I've just decided I'm going to carve out a few years of my life to get addicted to crack. I think that sounds like a good idea. Of course they didn't do that. What happened is they just got off or didn't have a goal and they got off the target of where they really should be living and striving. Somebody say Amen. Nobody said, hey, you know, it seems like a a good time in my life to really run up some bad debt. I'm going to make a choice to do that. No, what they did on the other side was they didn't have a plan and they didn't have boundaries and they didn't have things put in place with their resources. Therefore, they then fell into making poor decisions with their money. Everybody say, I agree. It's the same thing in our life as we're trying to live and strive for a blessed home. What are your goals? What does it look like? What uh, is important to you? They did a study. They pulled marriages and they asked the marriages, they said uh, of uh, these major things, I won't list all of them, but of these major things, finances, life goals, like talking about retirement and what you want to do and just a lot of the major factors in your life how you spend your money, where you spend your money, what your plan is to get out of debt, how much you're saving, all this kind of stuff. When they asked the married couples if they both had a plan that they were both in agreement with and they could share like, yep, this is our plan, this is our goals, this is what we're doing. Only 23% of the uh, married couples could actually say, this is our plan, this is where we're going. Only 23%. So that means all the rest of them are living in a way with no goal, just come what may, whatever happens, no communication, no real plan. And I think if we pulled this room, myself included, there's be a lot of areas that like we don't have a plan. Who would agree? Somebody say amen. And uh, it's important to follow God, obviously, and trust God. And I don't want you to be the people like, go home, make a plan and stick to it. and Don't ever change because God's got to lead you and all that kind of stuff. But the scripture or the saying that says, uh, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. I mean, you're just never going to make it. You're never going to have the blessed home that you want uh, in, the, in the life that you want without setting together some goals. No one intends for bad stuff to happen. What's the difference between successful people and people that keep falling or keep missing it? Uh, I think you could, if you peeled it back, you could see people that continually have success in their life or in their business They've found a way to set a course and go after it. A lot of people that have had a lot of bumps in the roads, and obviously we all have curveballs that hit us and it's not our fault and it's nothing you did, but a lot of people that keep missing or tripping, uh, it's just because they they didn't set the course. Amen? I thought about it like this. Um, One thing that really hurts us from uh, having a blessed home or setting the home that we want is the way that we gauge what we think is the proper bar. The scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The other scripture we read that says, seek first the kingdom of God. Here's the thing, a lot of times the way that we measure things in life is the lowest bar. A lot of times, especially when you're a teenager, I was a youth pastor for 10 years and hey man, come on, you messed up, why'd you do that? And you you know better than that or whatever and then the response is always, well so and so is doing this and it's the lowest bar, you know, it's like, well, and, and so we have this mindset, of if I'm just a little bit above that, but God could have designed you for way up here. God's plan for you could be way up here. And the only thing you're measuring is down here at the bottom. Somebody say, that's good. Amen. And so that's the trouble with culture. You know, we're just, we're keeping up with people on Facebook and we're keeping up with people on TV and we're just measuring it by based on all these unrealistic measurements and we're, and we're saying, well, at least I'm a little bit above that. At least I'm not that. Yeah, but God could have you here. So when we set our goals and when we think God and when we uh, put him first, you can't measure your uh, goals for your blessed life or your blessed home based on those around you. Amen. Is this okay? You guys doing all right? The old saying says this, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. At the end of the day, if you got no goals, you have no plan for how you want to raise your kids and, and raise your family. If you don't have something that you've put in place, you're bound to miss it. So we have to make plans and we have to stay faithful to those. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. God put laws and principles in place, and one of them is like this. Hey, you be faithful in the little things, I'll continue to promote you and grow you. Same thing in our life. If I water the grass tonight and I keep my cool, everybody's going to be like, I think our pastor's got a problem. (laughs) He talks about, (laughs) my neighbors are actually here, I won't point them out to embarrass them, but they could tell you that they haven't seen me throw Caroline across the yard yet. So (laughs) um, maybe for fun, like she likes it, but not, not. Maybe if I just woo while I'm doing it, like, woo, we're having fun. (laughs) (laughs) kidding, obviously. Um, But for me, faithful in the little, you know, whatever it is for you. What are the, what are the mindsets that you have that keep tripping you up? Overcome those, have self-control, start beating those things one step at a time. The scripture says that he was faithful with few things, few little things. God doesn't ask you to jump every time. Hey, I'm going to need you to jump to the top of that mountain. It's climb. Be faithful in the few things. The laws and principles that he set up are, hey, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. I'll take care of you along the way. I'll get you where you need to go. Stay faithful, and I'll make you ruler over many things. And then you can come and share in the master's happiness. Amen? I'll close with this. Lauren, if you want to come play. It said faithful over the little things. I think a lot of times what we like to look at is the big thing. The big thing, you know. uh, Well, you know, we have a plan to get our kids to college. You know, like, oh, we have a plan to get them in the right school, in the right neighborhood. But the everyday living, the little faithful things. are Are you pushing back the distractions, your busyness, all of the things that are stealing from you? Are you pushing all that away so that you can be focused in the little everyday things in your kids' lives? Or are we just going, well... Working hard so that they can go to college, the big thing. College is great, that's a good thing. But I promise you, at 18 years old, when they leave down the driveway and you were so busy worrying about the one big thing that you neglected all the little things, there'll be regret. Because we're called to be faithful in the little things. (laughs) Work hard, college is important, say all that stuff. Get in the right school, all that stuff is important. But if we put that over being invested and connected in the faithful little things, then I would venture to say we're missing it. Amen. So God hasn't called you to make this huge jump. He's called you to be faithful. Psalm 119. This is the message version. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 119, one through five says, you are blessed when you stay on the course. How do you have a blessed life? You're blessed when you stay on the course walking steady on the road revealed by God. So that's the seeking God. You're blessed when you stay on the road and you seek God, the the road that he revealed to you. You are blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. You, God, show the right way to live and expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping the course you set. How do we keep a blessed life? We seek God we get his plan, we get his principles, we get his things in our life, and then we just stay steady down the road. We stay with God. We just stay on the course because he keeps us, amen? God puts a lot of time into our steps. We would love our blessed life to go from rags to riches. We pray the special little prayer and then poof, we're in that last house. The blessed life and everything's perfect and everything's great. It's not reality. There is no like steroid injection Christian, like, oh, you do this thing and then you're there, you got what you, it's steady down the road of trusting God and faithfulness. Amen. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Some of us may say, well, my steps, it doesn't look like I'm on the right road. Well, change your course. Some of you say, man, I know I'm on the wrong, I know I'm on the wrong road. I know this isn't where God wants me. I know I've gotten off on the crooked path and I'm down a place that I'm not supposed to go. That's easy. Turn around. We use a word in church, it's called repentance. And we say, oh, that sounds like really churchy and really, no, it's just saying like, whoa, God, I've gotten off on the wrong course. I repent, I need to change. I need to go in a different direction. Go get yourself steady on the road and then blessing will follow you, amen? Why do you all stand, we'll close with this. If you could drop the lights a little bit, we're gonna, we're gonna actually have a time of prayer. But here's what I'd like to say to everybody here. Proverbs 16:9 says this. Says, in their hearts, human beings plan their course, but God establishes their steps. In your hearts, you plan the course, but God establishes your steps. You in your heart know what God is calling you into and what God is leading you into. You pray, you seek him, God speaks to you, reveals your heart through scripture or through whatever. And then God establishes those steps. It's not your job to go make everything perfect in front of you. It's your job to hear from God, have him lead you, speak to your heart, and then God establishes those steps that you are to take. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, "'Lord, I know that the people's lives are not their own. "'It is not for them to direct their steps.'" So this just this understanding of that. Hey, it's, it's for God to lead us. It, uh, to live the way that we're called to live, it's to live in a way that God is leading us and nudging us and pulling us forward. And then lastly, I want to encourage you in this one, James one twenty two. It says, do not, I'll just paraphrase for you, but it says this. It says, hey, don't be a person who's a hearer of the things of God. Be a person who's a doer. Be somebody who takes these things and goes back and puts them in action. Don't be a hearer, but be a doer. And then it says, if you're a person who hears the things of God, but doesn't put them in place in your life, it says you're deceived. It says you'll be, you'll, you're deceived. So that's not like a strong turn or burn kind of thing It's saying, hey, don't be someone who just hears it. Take God up on it. You got a God who loves you and cares for you and is about you and wants to direct you and lead you and and all of these promises that we just read, take them up on that. Be in a place where uh, you can follow him on the steps that he ordered for you. Amen. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want to offer an invitation to those of you that are in here. If you're here for the very first time, nobody looking around, if you're here for the first time and, and you say, man, Pastor Josh, you know, talking about the blessed life or the blessed home, uh, blessed this home. I know that i am gotten off track. I know that I haven't followed the steps of the Lord, but today maybe it was in our, our music time, or maybe it was just in something we talked about or, in the, you know, the scriptures that we read you had like a tugging on your heart that was like, man, I do need to set my priorities on God. I need to, like the scripture said, seek him first and know that everything else will follow. If you're in here and today you wanna make a decision to, like I talked about, just turn around and get off the wrong road. You say, I'm done with that road. It's been been a rough road, a bumpy road. I've put too many miles on that road. I wanna get on a place where my course and my directions are established and set by God. If you're here, the cool thing is the scripture says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that jesus is lord you shall be saved and so some people call that the sinner's prayer but all of us together not embarrassing anybody not calling anybody forward anything like that right where you are we can all pray that prayer but if that's you and you say yeah i need to make that decision today i need to pray that sinner's prayer again you're not going to be singled out but if you're here i would ask that you acknowledge it to god And when i count to three i'll have you raise your hand and all of us will pray this prayer out and your, your life will be changed. You'll do that turnaround and you'll get off that road that's maybe caused you some pain or some frustration, maybe caused your home to not have peace. The good thing is no matter what you've done, where you've come from, because of like what we sang this morning, you have victory no matter who or where you came from. God is for you and not against you, amen? So if you'd like to be included in that prayer that we pray, Uh, With nobody looking around, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Such an awesome moment. What an incredible decision. I mean, right now, as that hand went up, I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you. Peace is filling your home. Peace unto your home. Peace unto your heart. Your past, your pain, all of that dead in the grave. We shout Hosanna forever. God be lifted up in your life, in your home. Today is a new day. Amen. So I'll pray this prayer boldly. Let's say this: say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to walk on the path that you lay out for me. In Jesus' name, amen.